One of the most overlooked areas of leadership development is communication. The ability to communicate effectively with others will dictate how they view you as a leader. This happens in your home with your wife and your kids. This happens at work with coworkers, your boss, or your employees. And it happens in your community with those you interact with day to day. Well, today I am going to take my 17 years of experience in educational leadership to share my key strategies with you so that you can become a more effective communicator, so that you can find out why quiet leadership creates loud thinking. This episode of the Dad's Making Difference podcast starts right now. You are listening to the Dad's Making a Difference podcast, the number one podcast for men driven to live a life of significance. Men who want to make a difference in the lives of their families, in their business, and in the world around them. My name is Cam Hall, founder of Fight the Dabot and leader of the Dad's Making a Difference mastermind. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Now, let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of the Dads Making a Difference podcast. My name is Cam. I'm your host. And every once in a while, I'd love to come to you with a solo episode. Just you and I. I'd like to think that we're in conversation. I hope I can answer some of the questions that you have in your head every time I get in here solo. And I'm going to be honest with you. It's really hard for me to do a solo episode versus interviewing somebody else. Sometimes... It just is easy to get into someone else's story. And it's really hard to get into our own story. You might find the same thing. You get into a podcast. Maybe you've listened to some of our killer episodes lately, which, by the way, they are amazing. But sometimes when we listen, we disengage. And my work on this podcast is to deeply engage with our guests to ask the meaningful, purposeful questions so that you as a listener can engage with them as a listener. And it's my hope that then you go on and you engage with our guests and you follow their stuff. And I really hope you do that. Now, every once in a while, I need to come on here and hope that you engage with me. And this is what I mean by this. I need to be transparent with you with where I'm at. It's easy to hide behind an interview. It's hard to hide when I'm here solo. Over the last two weeks, I have been through the ringer, both emotionally and mentally. Professionally, many of you who are listening have heard that I am an educational leader. I have been in educational leadership for quite some time. I've been in education for 17 years, and I'm currently an administrator of a high school. Now, that work is meaningful, but it's hard. And over the last two weeks, we have been faced with an extremely hard situation in our building. And in order for us to get through this as a community, and for me to get through this as a leader, I have realized that I have strengths in certain areas of my job and my profession and my qualities, professional qualities, and I have weaknesses in others. First, I want to talk about my weakness for a second. I am an emotional being. You are an emotional being. I also am very emotional, meaning I'm not crying all the time, although I've had a lot of tears over the last week dealing with what we're dealing with in our school. But I'm emotional, which means I can go zero to 100 
in a second and my maybe frustration and anger can take over, which I've also seen in the last seven days. But I'm also have a really big heart. And I think that with everything that I do, I am empathetic, which also leads me to be emotional. But I help others connect with their own processes by the way that I can communicate. So today I want to talk about communication because I have learned that over the last two weeks, communication has been key in navigating one of the most intense scenarios I've ever faced professionally. And then I come home at the end of the day and I have my wife, Kim, here and she's asking how I'm doing. And I have my daughter, Mai, who's 11, saying, Dad, you seem lost in thought. And then I have my son, Braylon, who wants to wrestle. And he say, Dad, why don't you want to wrestle? And it's because my brain is consumed by one thing right now. And I let my strength in communicating come through in my professional life. And it dropped off in my personal life. Now, do you ever do this? Do you ever realize that, hey, I'm really good at something? And you do it really well, maybe in your business, in your work, in your job, and you do it really well at home, but there's times where you can't do both at once. And I've been struggling through this over the last two weeks. And so I wanted to talk today specifically about communication. I've touched on this before, but I think it's really important that we think for a moment why communication matters and why Good leaders in the home, good leaders of their family, good leaders in their community, good leaders at work or in business are strong communicators. So I want to talk about why communication matters. Because communication matters at home. It matters at work. It matters in business. Because how we communicate can determine whether or not others see us as a leader or if they just see us simply as an outlet for frustration. I'm sure you've, you've realized that at work, if you're in a supervisory role, somebody will come to you and just like unload all their baggage. Or maybe you come home and your kids are really short with you or you get a lot of attitude or your wife's short with you or you seem to be the brunt of every event session. But the truth is this, are you being seen as an outlet of frustration or a leader who others can seek guidance and support in. Let me explain. Over the last week, I've been challenging myself with a couple questions. And I'm going to challenge you with this question yourself right now about communication. When someone comes to you and asks you a question or makes a statement, do you give answers right away or do you encourage others, do you encourage the other person, whether it be a coworker or your wife or your kids, to come up with their own answers? And you might be thinking, well, how do I do that? Well, that in itself is a, is a skill set. To be able to respond to somebody's question with a question, and not in a question to be dismissive, but to say, hey, I thought about what you shared with me, and I have this in response because I'm trying to understand your situation. Because if you just give answers and you're not encouraging others to come up with their own answers, you're going to shut 
relationships down. Professionally, you're going to shut them down. And in your home, you are going to shut down and put up walls in your relationships. So I'm going to challenge you with a couple of questions right now. We're just going to do a little quick inventory, a communication inventory, if you will. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Why don't you think about this? So again, do you give answers? Somebody comes to you with a question. Are you quick to give an answer or do you ask questions? Do you encourage others to come up with their own answers? That takes some thought. That takes some tact. That takes some strategy and response. Do you guide or do you prescribe a path? Are you guiding someone through their journey or are you just prescribing the answer to them? It's a good question. Do you set boundaries or are you vague? I can't think of a better example of this than actually with your children. Do you set clear boundaries? Yes, no, or are you vague? Well, maybe not right now. I'll think about it. Maybe later, go ask your mom. Okay, you see where I'm getting at here? Because if you set clear boundaries, you are leading. If you are vague, you are an outlet of frustration. And you might not even realize it. You might not realize that you are frustrating other people by your inability to communicate clearly and set boundaries. So do you set boundaries or are you vague? Do you inform or do you explain? So do you tell people things or do you explain things? People want to understand. Your kids want to understand why you're answering a certain way. Your wife wants to understand why you're thinking a certain way or acting a certain way or why you've responded a certain way. Your colleagues, your boss, your employees, they want to know why you've responded in a way that you did. If you just inform, information is just that, information. I am informing you of this, 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 and this, and this. You have no say, go. Well, a strong leader needs to be able to explain. So I want to challenge you to think about those questions I just asked and dig a little deeper into why your answers matter. So just quick review. Do you give answers when people come to you with questions or do you challenge them to come up with their own answers? Do you guide them or do you prescribe a path? Do you set boundaries or are you vague? Do you inform or do you explain? And I want to challenge you because if you give answers instead of challenging others to come up with the questions, you're not going to be effective in your leadership. Because to lead effectively, we must be creators of what we call a thinking culture. Okay. And I apologize, guys. If you're listening to this and you're kind of lost right now, it's because I am in the midst of this turmoil. My background's in education, educational leadership, communicational acumen. And here we are, and I'm navigating this situation where to lead effectively, I must be a creator of a culture of thinking, which is an academic term, creating cultures of thinking. Because in the study of leadership development, there's a psychologist, his name's David Rock. He says, quiet leadership. How do you lead quietly? Quiet leaders, as David Rock puts it, 
don't give answers. They challenge us, others to come up with their own questions. And yet through the entirety of their interactions, they have a confidence. They have an air about them. They have trust, trust from the people that they are leading as well as trust in themselves. Because here's the thing, it's harder to ask questions than it is to give answers. Let's be honest. It is so much easier for me just to give an answer than it is for me to sit in the moment, listen, and ask a reasonable and coherent question when somebody comes with a concern. It's also definitely easier to agree or react than it is to come up with an answer or a question. So how can you shift from reacting to responding? Responding is asking questions and respond in a way that challenges others to think. I'm going to give you an example. My son comes to me and he asks me a question about content, his video gaming right now. And he asks me a question about this online gaming platform called Roblox, which I have heard recently has some pretty uh, intense stuff on it that kids can stumble across. And I don't want my nine-year-old son uh, being exposed to that. So we were having a conversation about why he's not able to play Roblox anymore. And he asked me a question of why not? And now he's a nine-year-old boy and I don't want to tell him, well, Braylon, what I've learned is that there are now games with pornography that aren't barriered or behind any type of access wall that anybody can stumble across. So he would not understand that. However, I need to stop and think for a moment and say, well, buddy, what games do you play when you're on Roblox? So he tells me what games he plays. So why do you enjoy these games? He tells me why he enjoys them. Well, because it's like a puzzle because um, it's a challenge because my friends like these games. And then we had a conversation about other activities that he could do where he would feel the same way. He came up with a couple other game ideas uh, on a platform. I think it's called Pokey. But he also came up with ideas that he and his friends could do outside, which were fantastic. So instead of just me saying, Braylon, you can't play Roblox," And he says, why can't I? And I say, because I said so. I actually stop for a moment to think, no, really, why cannot, why cannot Bray play this Roblox games? And so I had to ask him some questions to understand why he liked it so much, why it was bringing him in, why it was so appealing to him. And at the root of it, it was the same reason that when I was a little kid, I wanted to ride my bike down the street, throw my bike on the lawn in my friend's house and play some road hockey. I wanted to connect. I wanted a challenge. I wanted something exciting and I wanted to play. And we just needed to find a way for Braylon to be able to fulfill his desires of play with his friends that did not involve this software, this gaming platform. Now at work, we get pushed into corners all the time, ask tough questions. Uh, maybe somebody comes in and they just unload on you. Maybe they're in a tough spot. And there are times where you can just listen and then there's times that you need to respond. There is a quote that David Rock uses in his book, Quiet Leadership. And it says, to tell denies or negates another's intelligence. 
to ask honors it. Have you ever thought, well, that was a stupid question. <laughs> Someone comes to you and you're like, oh my gosh, you should know the answer to this. If you lead any team or you're in any type of leadership position at work, you know what I'm talking about. Somebody has come to you with a question or concern and you're like, you already know the answer to this. We've already discussed this. But instead, you stop, you breathe, you ask questions, you try to get to the root of what's going on, and you try to formulate a plan moving forward. Because to tell denies or negates another's intelligence, and to ask honors it. We are all emotional beings, thinking beings, and we want to encourage each other. But we also need to draw a line. Draw a line where we have to understand that our communication with other people is going to dictate their response to us and will determine the quality of our leadership moving forward. Hey guys, I wanted to take a moment and talk about our community of DMD brothers in the DMD mastermind. We are men who help each other to stay focused and intentional in our pursuits of personal, professional, physical, financial, emotional, and spiritual growth. We are a community of men who bring courage, wisdom, and transparency to unfiltered conversations that challenge us to be more impactful men, to be dads making a difference. We do this through our online and in-person events where men come together to speak into each other's lives and then turn around and do the deep work to create change in their families, in their businesses, and in the community around them. If you are wondering if this community might be right for you, you can find more information on the DMD Mastermind, and you can also book a call directly with me at dmdmastermind.com. Now, let's get back to our show. There's a really uh, cool distinction that I use when I'm getting into a conversation with someone or my son or my daughter uh, when we're talking and I feel like we're getting away from the point. And that is, this is interesting or this is useful. Well, that's interesting or this is useful. And you might be thinking, Cam, right now I'm listening to this podcast. I'm wondering, is this interesting or is this useful? And I hope it is useful because there's a two-part distinction about focusing on problems versus focusing on solutions. Interesting means focusing on the problems. Why did this happen? Why are we doing this? Um, why can't I why can't I play video games versus useful, which is focusing on solutions because a conversation where you can communicate a focus on solutions opens up ideas and possibilities. And by opening up ideas and possibilities, you're starting to focus on the how versus the why. When we look at the word why, why can't I? Why didn't this? Why should we? Why is putting our brain past tense. It's making us focus on the problem. Things like, why did this happen? Where did it, why did it all start to go wrong? Why do you think that you're not good at this? I have that conversation with my daughter. Well, I'm not good at this. Well, if I was to say, why do you think you're not good at this? She's going to give me reasons. That's not really helpful. It's focusing on the problem. So instead, use solutions-based language. Instead of saying, why do you think you're not good at this? Instead, I would ask her, how can you develop strength in this area? So I'm going to give you some examples of questions. Uh, and this is from David Rock's book, Quiet Leadership. And I read this the other day as I was navigating through this process. 
And I hope this is useful for you. So both of these, these examples can be both in your family and they can be in your business or in your job. Uh, perhaps uh, you're leading a team and you want your team to reach certain targets. Well, a problem-focused question would be, why didn't you hit your targets? A solution-based question could be, what do you need to do next time to hit your targets? What do you need to do next time to hit your targets? So instead of informing, instead of just giving answers or being problem-focused, we're looking at solutions. We are looking to elicit thinking in others so that they can come up with their own solutions. Why did this happen? It's a problem-focused question. Or what do you want to achieve here? Is a solutions-based question. I gave you the example of why do you think you're not good at this versus how can you develop strength in this area? What's wrong with your team? Versus what does your team need to do this to win? Why did you do that? Versus what do you need to do next? Who is responsible for this? Versus who can achieve this? Why isn't this working? What do we need to do to make this work? Those are just some examples of problem-focused versus solution-focused language. And when you're communicating with others, whether that is in your family, with your kids, in your business, I want you to challenge yourself right now to commit to using solutions-focused language. Ask what questions or how questions versus why questions or where questions. What makes these situations similar at home, at work, in the family, is because you are often presented with an opportunity to help others create something that I think is very important. And I've spoken about this before on this podcast, and that is ownership. Three things on my wall right now, stole these from my workplace, live by them, know your why, aim for growth, take ownership. I want to talk about ownership. The whole purpose of why we communicate and the reason why we want to be effective communicators is because we want others to take ownership. I don't want everyone coming to me all the time for the answers. Neither do you. So clear communication, solutions-focused language, giving people the opportunity to find their own solutions creates ownership. And what separates strong leaders strong communicators from the pack is their ability to inspire those around them to take ownership and create a safe space in which thinking and ownership can take place without judgment. That is key. Without judgment. So, here is my three-layer filter for identifying if your communication strategies in your home, in your work, in your job are creating ownership. I've shared this before, uh, different contexts, but I want to share it again. And the three-layer filter is this. Two, four, with. Two, four, with. When you are communicating with others, are you doing things to them? Are you doing things for them? Or are you doing things with them? If you do something to someone, think punishment. 
with your kids. They are not going to learn anything through punishment other than that you like to punish them. Okay. I'm honest. Like if you say you're not, if you don't eat your peas, there's no TV after dinner. Or if you don't eat your peas, you can't go play with friends. That's punishment. There's no learning in that. That's this, then that. You're just doing something to them. If you do something for someone, what you're really doing is telling them that they can't do it themselves. I've used this example before and I want to use it again. When I started my teaching career 17 years ago, I taught a grade seven class, grade seven. So we're talking like 12 year old, 13 year old kids. And there was a moment in time where I looked out into the classroom, I would ask a question. And instead of having the same five kids answer the questions all the time, which we've all been in school. So we all know what that's like. I would call on different students. I would let them prepare and say, hey, I'm going to come to you for an answer in a couple of minutes. We're going to read through this. I'm going to come to you for an answer. So start thinking about it. And then we would finish a passage or we'd finish a problem. I was teaching math and I would come to the student that I already gave a heads up and that student would be sitting and it would be like this awkward science, but you could see their brain working. You could see them working through it. You've seen this. You've seen this in your kids. You've seen this in the people at work that you've challenged with different questions. And so I could see the student sit there and inevitably there's someone in the class who just blurt out the answer. Just blurt out the answer. And this happened a couple of times until I was like, what's actually happening here? And so I stopped the class and we're talking 12 and 13 year olds. And I'm going to tell you, I've used this when teaching 12 and 13 year olds, teenagers, adults, grown men in my coaching programs. I've used the same example. When you're dealing with your kids, when you're having conversations with your wife, when you're in the workplace and having conversations with employees or coworkers, when you answer for them, what are you actually telling them? And the truth is this. You, you might think they're ha- you're helping them. You might think you're helping them by giving them the answer and helping them feel less awkward and less stressed in that moment. But what you're actually doing is you're telling them that they cannot do it themselves. And you're taking power away. You're taking ownership over that process away. A good communicator asks questions. He doesn't answer and offer answers and solutions right away because he doesn't want to do things for people. You do it for them. They will never learn to do it on their own because you have already told them that you can do it better than they can or they can't do it for themselves. So avoid the two, avoid the four, and do it with people. When you navigate a problem or a situation or you communicate in a way that asks questions and elicits others to think and take ownership, you are going through a process of learning where they do things with each other. You do this with them. You are their guide. You are not the hero. Let them be the hero of their own story. Let them come to their own solutions. And the most effective communicators and leaders do the process with others, which takes time. It takes space. It takes intentionality. It takes vulnerability. But these are all things that you need to commit to doing if you want to lead your family and lead your household in a way that's effective, that people are coming up with their own answers. So your kids raise, are raised to be independent and confident and to challenge the status quo. You need to be able to do these things in your marriage so that you can grow and without fighting and, 
and explosions. You can have disagreements and you can navigate things with each other. This creates a healthy relationship of open doors and open conversations. And at work, do things with your employees or else they will knock on your door. Every time a little situation comes up, they will come to you. You don't want that as a leader. You want people to feel confident in their ability and do their own work. So you might be thinking, Cam, how do I create these quote-unquote cultures of thinking and where I am working with others instead of doing two or four? And here's my encouragement to you. And I kind of want to close with this. Anytime someone comes to you with a question or you find yourself navigating a really difficult situation, I want you to just pause, hit the pause button. My son was watching a movie, Sonic the Hedgehog. I don't know, you dads have seen this out there. And Sonic has this ability where he speeds up so fast that the world around him looks like it's slowed right down. And in the movie, there's a, a scene in a bar where there's a bar fight. Yes, it's a kid's movie, by the way. Uh, the scene in a bar where Sonic has to get out of trouble. And so what he does, he goes fast. And as he goes fast, everything around him slows to still stop, slows right down, stops entirely. And he does all his little things and then click, it comes back to real time and everybody's falling over. He saved the day, but he slowed everything down to act quickly. And this goes back to the line, I think it's from the movie Shooter, that slow is smooth and smooth is fast. We need to slow things down. So I challenge you this week, when someone comes to you with a question, you're faced with a difficult situation at work or in your home. I want you to take a breath. I want you to be Sonic the Hedgehog and slow things down. I want you to think slow is smooth. If I slow this down, I think for a moment, I actually listen intently and care about what the other person is saying. I'm going to be intentional in asking questions to help them come to their own solutions or help me, questions that help me get a larger, more coherent understanding of what's going on so I can then get myself to ask them the right questions. Because there is information gathering, there's a period of understanding that needs to be developed. But my challenge to you is this, slow down. Don't react, respond. Responses take time. Responses take thought. They take care and intentionality. So when you're faced with something, that's hard. When you're asked a question from your kids or your wife or a coworker or a boss, that's hard. Instead of feeling defensive, instead of feeling like you have to prove yourself, instead of feeling like you have to show that you have all the answers and you have it all figured out, instead, be a leader that communicates clearly in a way that is going to create ownership in others. Ask questions. Use solution-based language. Take a break. Ask. And if you don't have a solution, ask, ask, ask. This conversation will continue to go back and forth. And through that process and practice, you are going to get better and better at better at communicating and leading your family, your coworkers, and those around you. Because after all, my friend, that's why you're here. You are a dad making a difference, a dad making a difference to lead his family, to lead his business and to lead this community. I appreciate you. Thank you for giving me the time today. Hey, if you haven't liked and subscribed this podcast, please do it now. Share it with someone who needs to hear this today. Love you. Appreciate you. We'll talk soon. 
Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Dad's Making a Difference podcast. I hope you found value in today's show. And if it made a positive impact on you, please share it with someone you know, leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. And if you are a father listening to this right now, who is driven to build a life of significance, to truly make a difference in the life of your family, in your business, and in the community around you, go to dmdmastermind.com to learn more about the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind, a mastermind group for fathers that provides men with the skills, the connections, the accountability, the proven steps, and the brotherhood to truly become a dad making a difference. I'm Cam Hall. Thank you for spending time with me today, and I will see you on the next episode of the DMD Podcast.